Brilliant stuff, Stefan. Thank you. All right, Dan. No more. Uh, it's a whole, I'll, I'll probably I'll have I'll probably have to split that into two parts. It's it's that good. <laughs> yeah, my wife, my wife, the, my wife and girls were away for a walk at twenty past one, and one of them after coming in and kind of looking. Are you still on it? Still talking? I know. I, I the, <laughs> there you go. The tr- time flies, and time really did fly. Chatting to Stefan White about his career was something I always dreamed of and wanted to do. And when it came about, I was absolutely delighted to learn and listen and then share the chat with my favourite loud footballer ever. In the first of this two-parter, we talk about his heroes, how practice made perfect. And we talk about his original club, the O'Connells, and then Casablanca Fogs, the team he moved to. You'll notice in this podcast and throughout the two podcasts, both of them, Stefan's father, Stephen White, features strongly in them. Uh, why wouldn't he? Like He's a loud legend, All-Ireland winner, member of the team of the millennium, and most importantly though, a hugely influential figure in shaping Stefan's career. Um, so I, I'm really excited to want to get going and get into this. We're really excited to share this with you. But um, here's a Stefan White introduction first. And here they come. Loud, O'Brien, O'Neill, Conlon, White. Breaks inside to Stefan White. The one man that can do it, and he's done it. A goal for Loud. Paulo Hanlon, a vital touch. Now he's stepping right to his right. This must be it. It is. I don't believe it. Kildare must be out of the Leinster Championship. On the line is a man I used to emulate in the garden. My favourite player growing up, Stephen White. Stephen, thanks and welcome to the Loud and Proud podcast. You're welcome, Lauren. It's good to hear from you. <laughs> Did did uh, did you did you notice that growing up when you were playing, Stefan, that you would have had lads playing emulating in the garden? Um, probably it's probably good to hear that, Dan. Thanks very much. It shows you how, how old I am and how young you guys are still playing. So um, <laughs> I, I I still would have yeah, probably when you were playing, um, you'd have dads coming up to you saying you know trying to get young lads to chat to you and that and and saying look he emulates you and blah blah blah, but. When you hear it back, it's kind of something that's obviously I would have done when I was growing up. I would have emulated um, footballers both in Louth and, and further afield and kind of watched them on TV. So um, I would have heard it numerous times and it's nice to hear those things. And, and it's the satisfaction that probably gave to younger lads was similar to the satisfaction I got from watching my uh, my heroes in, in years gone by um, and, and you still look at them but it's 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 good to hear Who was your hero growing up? I had a few uh, really and, and truly in loud I have to say um, and I was lucky enough I got to play a couple of years with them towards the end of it my career was Aidan Wiseman was one of them Yes, yeah um, Aidan was I thought Aidan was a, a brilliant player he played with Lancer I remember seeing him play with Lancer with my dad over in Breffney Park um for Leinster against Ulster, um, he would have been one. Uh, my cousin Jim McDonald, uh, be a brother of Ollie's. Um, I remember Jimmy playing on the on. They had a fantastic under twenty one team in uh, in Louth at that time, around the late seventies. Um, and then further afield, from a, um, a national perspective, the, my two well, I had numerous favourites. After obviously Louth, Dublin would have been would have been a team that would have followed on a great admiration for them. I would have really loved the likes of some of the Dublin. I would have always my dad would have always said when we were watching Dublin, even in Crow Park, that you know, watch the when I was trying to be a free taker, watch the the way that the likes of Jimmy Keaveney would have you yeah. know practice of threes even in in um in before matches, and he always would have. 
tapped over 14 yard free right in front of the goals. And I remember seeing a couple of things that why would he not? And he said, he, well, he would just probably do that to, uh, to kind of gain his confidence and then he practice two or three, maybe a few yards out. And still to this day, if I'm still doing a bit of coaching at the minute with, with underage, I do kind of try to, try to look at that and say to them, you know, try the ones very close to the goals, get your confidence up. It's the easy ones that are missable rather than the far out ones. Nobody expects you them. So like to Jimmy Keaveney would have been, Matt Connor would have been a huge favourite of mine. Yeah, um, yeah. He was really, you know, he was probably one of the most naturally gifted with everything. And uh, unfortunately his career was cut short with a, with, a, with an accident. But in, in saying that, he, he, he achieved so much with Alfie and he was a real, real. So players like that, I was probably, because I was a forward, I was always looking at forwards and trying to to catch, to, to look at things and maybe get uh, watch what they would have done. So there were years gone by and you'd still watch them even in the matches that have been replayed now um, on TV. You would still look at some of them and say, God, you know, the, the football has changed over the years since since those days of, say, 80s and, and late 70s, 80s. But some of those players would still have been recognised as, as true greats. And obviously, in more recent times, I'd have to I'd have to mention um, Peter Canavan. He was a fantastic footballer from Tyrone. Probably, I'd say, he was definitely in the top two or three that I've ever seen. Um, a natural footballer, left and right. You know, for his size, he was just, he had everything, you know. But... Um, there was numerous ones, but they, they, those sort of individuals would have would have stood out from when I was when I was starting out and young, you know. So you you would have been a student of the game uh, even as a youngster. <laughs> yeah, probably so. Yeah, I would have I would have watched things like that, and maybe lucky enough when you get to Crow Park just to see what we, especially the the teams that were going very well, like your Dublin's or Kerry's, you'd always try to say, God, you know. Your, your your biggest achievement would be God somebody you try to play in Crow Park like they would have done. So um I would have watched things and things they would have done and, and you know, tried them every practice things they would have done when you'd see them and, and you were looking at I was only maybe ten or eleven, but they were maybe inter county players maybe mid to late twenties at the top of their game. So you'd be you'd be trying to watch and pick up anything that you could have used down through the years from them, you know. And where where are you practicing where are you practicing Stefan as a young fellow? Are you going down to the Grove? Are you kicking around the garden? Um, no, I would have. Well, yeah, the Grove would have been obviously because it was so close to me. And then in the backyard, most Sunday mornings, I, I would have. Uh, most more uh, that time, I probably would have another time went to mass and Saturday evening. And then if not, I would have scooted off to the garden on a Sunday morning. But between the backyard and then obviously you wanted to get um, into a football field. Obviously, it was just a couple of hundred yards was up to the Grove for me, which was handy. It was always open. It was never the case that it was. It was never feasible to get to get access to it. We probably pitches now they're probably not as as accessible. But uh, certainly in those years, it would have been just a handy wee walk up the road to the to the Grove. You know, and it was it was it was quiet up there because you know obviously the main road was there. But there was some morning used to be ideal for that sort of thing. You know, are you going on your own, kicking freeze, or is there any other place? No, I used to. Funny enough, there used to be a couple of we, a couple of neighbours who were younger than me across the road. Um, the county's brain used to be one and Damien, and they used to toddle along, and I'd get them to kick the ball back out to me on, on <laughs> occasions when my dad wouldn't have been there, or else he, if he was there, he would have been kind of trying to help, um, trying to do things. But it was a great. You were getting the, uh, an insight into things, and then practicing things, and just you know, it's still to this day. I'd say if you ask anyone that's playing currently, it's it's just all practice and practice and, and more practice. You know, I think there's. There's a lot of emphasis put maybe too much away from actually the ball and, and 
the actual basics. I think a lot of coaches are probably going back to the basics. And I think if, if that's the way I used to kind of look at it and say, right, well, if I have the basics done, I'll, I'll have a wee chance, you know. Yeah, because you notice that with skill level, you think, oh, lad's just a natural footballer. He's natural. He doesn't. He never had to walk yeah. in this game. Like it, 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 like even you hear Paddy Keenan, like he, he looks the most natural footballer. But I, you know firsthand that Paddy is and that was a savage to train on the mm. skills. And it's the same with yourself. Like you're getting the reps in as a youngster. Yeah, yeah. I think a lot of people would say natural footballers, but then you have to. I'm sure Paddy's the same. And any player you would have spoken it down and watched, you know, everybody has to keep, I think you have to keep at it and practice these things, you know, I was always right-footed, but I would have practiced in the garden, kicking with the left, with my left foot, and maybe dad, I remember loads of times, at different times, coming in, back into the kitchen on a Sunday morning, maybe tears tripping you and saying to mum, uh, <laughs> daddy's not letting me kick with my right foot, you know, he was trying to <laughs> say to me, like, it's because of the fact that everybody will think you're on your right and then you'll be able to kick it with your left. So, so be it doing the simple things. You know, I'm sure, I remember years and years ago, my dad saying about Mick O'Connell used to practice catching the ball at the gable yeah, end of the house. He yeah. used to throw the ball at the house and catch it. So that was his timing from kickouts. So there you go. There's, you know, somebody that used to practice with a ball and a gable end, how, how, how easy it is and how natural a thing like that is. But I think there's some people can probably have natural ability, but I think there's an awful, an awful emphasis and there has to be an emphasis on, on, on the skills and, and just doing the basic things right. And if you do them and repeat them, it's like everything. It's like um, maybe studying and bits and, and things like that. If you just do the basics and do your, keep doing it, keep doing it, it'll, it'll, some part of it will sink in now. In skill factor, it'll, it'll, it'll stick to you, you know. Well, with the left foot stuck to you, we, we'll get to that in a minute, the, the practice <laughs> on the left. But was the pressure growing up? Like, was the 57 team, like your father, Stephen White, esteemed player with Laird, All-Ireland winner, four Leinster titles. Um, is there pressure? Is the 57 team knocking about the house? Uh, are, they, are, you, like, are they in your uh, stratosphere? Yeah, there was always, I suppose, when, when Dad was so, you know, steeped in, in GA and, you know, his his life evolved around GA and I'm sure people like him in, in growing up um Gaelic football was first and foremost and that was it you know it came probably um I know he was a very much a family man but it was it was Gaelic football first probably work and family afterwards I don't know what order the work and family would have come but certainly the Gaelic football was up there they, they just those sort of people and probably it's steeped in, in an awful lot of traditions and in an awful lot of households whether it be Louth or any other county it was just it was Gaelic football that was it there was nothing else um you know other things just took a took a back seat um there probably was pressure it's hard to know obviously when you when you start playing then you're going to be um you're going to be compared to in my in our house you're compared yeah. to dad even though he was a back out of the forward um but in the 50s 70s but I think when all the teams, um, until someday, hopefully that we're all here to see it, that they will emulate the 57 team. I think the reason that they emulated it was probably it was the greatest era for Louth football in a lot, an awful lot of minds, probably the greatest ever, obviously the one in Ireland, but they had very successful years. So I would say in a lot of households, whether you are related or not, everybody would, would look back in the 57 team and compare individuals, you know, we had it recently there with people picking teams and yeah, yeah. The top 50s and all this sort of thing, so it's it's uh, in a way, it's good for people and in another way, would it bring extra pressure to me? It probably did and then you're always trying to do things, but then I would have turned around and um, 
maybe did things that that Dad didn't emulate. I was very lucky to do, um, and he would have said that to me. But you know, he had his he has his has his Lancers on All Ireland, and unfortunately, nobody in the era of when we played and since '57 era has got the opportunity to do that. And it's a, it's a shame, and I'm sure the '57, the few of them that's left, are, are looking back and saying, you know, I know 2010 was one that probably could have been could have been emulated um, but certainly in the 90s we kind of, kind of felt that we possibly should have contested at least one if not a couple of Leinster finals but um, there's always going to be comparison now I think to the 57 team because I think that's the era that a lot of people would have looked at and said it was it was the most successful so you will have comparisons unfortunately and did he coach you or were he just like as over there was the underage structure as tight as it was now like oh it's, I, I probably would have relied on, on Dad an awful lot. He, he, obviously, with his experience, he's a great way of, especially when things, whether they would go well for you or not go well for you, and even an underage, and then when you go to play adult football, he would have come back, you know, after you come back to the house, he would have said, I wouldn't have done that, or simple wee things about maybe catching a ball or trying to flick it up or things like that. He would have maybe used his experience, um, and then he, he would have, he was always. He would have always said to me that he was always a very clean footballer, so he would have never got involved. But he said that at different times, he would have had to, as he would have put it, put manners on somebody. But he would have done it very cutely. And he said, you know, anyone that, that you know, off the record, if if he wanted a slap in the mouth, he he would have got it. But it wouldn't have been an intentional one. It would have been done maybe going for the ball. In fairness, he have been, the game, yeah. Yes. Would you have listened to him as a young for the staff and all? Would you just? Ah, I would. I would have done. Yeah, he was. He was at different times. You would have said to me going up. He said you didn't listen to me that day, or you <laughs> did. And remember, I told you this. He wouldn't have come back and said that, those yeah, things yeah. to me, but he would have been very much like, you know, kind of take you off and say you were stupid. Yet you didn't do that, or you were stupid that you did do that. Yeah, you know, yeah. what did you do that for? Kind of type thing. So he he would have kind of he wouldn't have been a man that would have kind of been drilling at home but he would have just made you aware of it and he'd be kind of for the, for the benefit of yourself he, yeah. would, he wouldn't be trying to, to uh, he wouldn't be trying to confuse the issue or criticise he was all trying to, to help you along which was a great help you know you're come, if you're coming back to a house who whose mum and dad weren't interested in football then you can see that and that unfortunately happens in a lot of cases I was just you, know, gonna you don't say have that, a football yeah. backing you know I was just going to say that yeah if you're like it's 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 so important. Like it's even mothers now. You see that the more involved they are with with yeah. young fellas playing football, the more likely they're going to play. Mm. That's right. Yeah, and I think the I think when there's you know when you look at it, whether when there's a settled house um, and a football backing house, and especially in a football in a parish end of things, um, it's it's slightly a little bit different in in the town end of things, um, in your bigger towns and throughout the country. But I think in a parish end of things, it's it's people are involved in the club, whether they be involved in ladies under underage football or yeah. um, ladies football or whatever it is, or committees or whatever. When there's an involvement on the female side of things, and, and there's more emphasis on that now than there had been say 20 years ago, um, that's a, that's a, a big help, especially the younger players growing up, because if they get a footballing, uh, if footballing's been talked in the house, it makes a huge, huge difference. Yeah. You know, it's, it, it's, it, it helps the helps the child on. You know, it's kind of it's it's the way it is now, and you notice with with the COVID uh, the way it was. It's um, if you have that habit in the house, mm -hmm. it stays. It nearly stays with you for life. You know, you want to. That's right. Yeah, absolutely. You know, when you're getting on the senior team or when you're pushing on and and all, yeah. and all that sort of way. Was soccer ever in the cards growing up for you? Were you a talented soccer player? Um. Back I did, I played a bit of soccer, not to the extent I would have liked to have played a few years. I played 
even when I started living down in the north here, I came and played with, with a soccer team and we had there were there were Gaelic and, and soccer players um we used to mix in. But from growing up it wasn't really taught I would have liked to have played more soccer even at underage because you know, you don't know what it would have maybe led to but obviously Gaelic was the first thing in the house and it was always going yeah, to be that. Yeah. Um and it you know, it was never it was probably similar to houses that would have been soccer orientated and somebody playing a smaller amount of Gaelic. Uh, would I like to play it more? Yes, I would have. Um, I think growing up, we I went to school in the Christian Brothers in Dundalk and it was Gaelic only, whereas the Marist was the other school in Dundalk and they were a little bit more t- towards soccer and then Gaelic, whereas the other way about. So if there had been a ha- more happy medium, but then, you know, you were spending a lot of huge amount of time playing Gaelic anyway and you would have wanted maybe 10 days in the week rather than seven to, to, to do what you were trying to do because you were playing with the school, trying, trying to play with your club, you were training, then trying to get a wee bit of education as well, which um, wasn't always helping, you know, so, <laughs> difficult. And come here, with, with your father, he would have played for Cooley in that underage, you're no relation to any of those, like Brian White or Keith White, all of them? Father no, no, there's no, no, no relation, funny enough, and probably people have said it to me at different times, especially when Brian was playing uh, with the loud seniors, you know, he had mentioned that, People had mentioned me is that guy a first cousin or second cousin? I said no. Uh, the only co- connection I would have had was with Sean, Sean White, who was um, some Pat's lordship. Yeah. Um, Sean would have been a first cousin of mine. Sean's dad and and, and my dad would have been two brothers. Yeah. So yeah, Sean yeah. played for the, for the county, played county minors, played county seniors for a couple of years. But Sean was always big into the farming, so it kind of took a it took a back road. I think when he got his championship captain, the Pat's the first one he. Yeah. Uh, he he felt he'd reached the promised land, so it was a bit of a bit of a, a, a come down from that. But um, he was, good, he was a good little player. Yeah. He was good little full. Yeah, Sean was good. We yeah, he was hard as nails. We really tough son of my own, big great left foot, you know. So he he was uh, as I say, he probably if he had it, maybe put. He, he was never really too bothered about the football. He just played, yeah. and he was well fit to play. So, yeah, so, he was. Yeah, um, he was. He, he he once he got to the. To the the promised land that was he had in Lordship, that was it. It was, it was all anything extra was a bonus. You know, he didn't mind how after that. You know. Yeah, no, I remember that in all three, he destroyed us. We were we were reigning champions. And yeah. He destroyed us below in the first round in Haggerty. Mm-hmm. And I I didn't know him. I I was only young for yeah, the time. Yeah. yeah, and he fairly well made an impression on me. But uh, <laughs> you got your first impression with um, a junior medal with the O'Connells. Yeah, you you won a championship. Yeah. But, uh, I did. I won a championship in '83. We're beaten in the final in '82, um, and we won. We beat Dunleer after Lanlair as they were called. Then we Leverin Parish, great rivalry. Um, remember very very little about it. I was just turned sixteen, so I was I was uh, I was pretty young at that stage. But that it was great. I, I like I enjoyed my time with the O'Connells. I remember that time my next door neighbour uh, Benji Benji Connell. He was up uh, in the yeah. air. I was in the corner. Benji was my chaperone <laughs> more times, more times on the pitch and off the pitch many a time. So um, Benji was there, and we we won that championship. It was hard fought, and there was great battles in the even the years before that and the years afterwards with with the O'Connells and and Lanlair was one of the teams. Other teams there, there was great battles, but that was a great memory. Um, I think I remember drinking about ten or twelve pint bottles of Coke that night. So. <laughs> There's the, there's the memory for you. I thought you were going to say something else. I thought you were going to say Guinness or Port or something. No, uh, nothing. So you you want to, I suppose it's in your nature that you want to test yourself against the best. And you, you try and 
do you, you try and get a transfer to um, the clans? Is it was that eighty five or eighty six? A couple of years after that, junior win. That was in yeah eighty five. I think we we went intermediate um, with the O'Connells. Went intermediate with the O'Connells the following obviously the year we won the, the junior and then we were relegated straight away and I was trying to progress all right a bit of success with the CBS and. Uh, I was. I had just broken the end of '85 around the old National League used to be played then around October. It was kind of broken into two. The National League used to be played before and after Christmas. So that year, myself, um, Hugh Seamus, Jerry Corn, a few of us got invited all to the loud panel. So I just felt at that stage that there might have been an opportunity, maybe, of uh, a lot of people call it different things, medal hunting and that sort of thing. But I, all I wanted to do was just play a higher brand of football. Um, wanted to transfer to the clans. The reason being, a lot of my colleagues who were on the Loud team and that and, and growing up, um, I was very friendly and Loud minor teams, etc. Clans sh- showed an interest. Um, went to go and, and uh, made a transfer and was blocked. And I kind of just, it was frustrating then. And then um, transfer, an inter-county transfer to Castle Blaney, Fogs, came up. Um, and... As I said, the rest of the history, history I started an apprenticeship in down in Castle Blaney, which was um, which was brilliant. I was very, very lucky that um, from from that point of view, the Blaney team at that stage was certainly there was quite a few of them on the on the with the backbone of the Monon team and uh, their experience and and everything was. I think that was probably a turning point in my career. Was you were playing with some of the top players in the country, the likes of uh, Nudie, Nudie Hughes, who I would still be very friendly with, um, and he's he's going through, um, he's going through health up issues at the moment. I wish him well. Um, Eamon McInerney, Declan Flanagan, God, there's numerous of them, you know, and even the, the level of of playing down there, and and you know, you're coming up against great teams in modern. That team, modern football, was was tough, but it was good. And it was beneficial to anyone that was that was involved, you know, at Bunking Monaghan or the likes of myself who was who was, you know, early teen or late teens, early twenties, you know, it was it was certainly a great great help to me in the four or five years I was there. Um and then I moved back to the clans. I got an opportunity of employment then after I finished in the electrical business and got me moved back to the clans and stayed there seven, eight years. And then uh in the intervening times I Made my way down to Bourne here. I met, met a, a girl down here, so that's where I am at the moment. That's, that's your staying, right? Right. You, you, fairly, yeah. you, you flew through that career. I'd, I'd like to just, in, in terms of saying you went and it opened your eyes, being with Monaghan and the Fogs. Like, mm. Is that is that in terms of strength and conditioning? Because you, you even like you look back then, you're you're a big player. You're not a, like you're not. A, you, you look yeah. like a lad that was. Playing nowadays with the gym programs and all that was that was is that what you're getting at? Um, it probably it probably was. I was probably and even to this day, I'm not the smallest fellow you'll ever meet. Uh, <laughs> certainly not around the waist anymore. But anyway, it probably was. It, it, I I was probably just maybe physically a lot stronger. Maybe for for that sort of age group, I was I wouldn't be overly tall. I'm maybe near six foot. Um, but I was always kind of well, you know, legs and that. I would have been. You know, everybody would have maybe made an issue of these big athletic legs and yeah. heavy legs that a lot of people would have said. But um, at that time, there probably wasn't a whole emphasis on gym work, to be honest. Um, I make no bones about it, Dan. I hated training. Um, <laughs> anyone that would have trained when we would have said he hates training. <laughs> I would have just loved the, the football aspect of things. You know, long runs, 
all that sort of thing wouldn't be my forte at all. But um, the the Blaney expert uh, part of it was more. You're talking about serious experience and and just the the way that they played the football. You know, they they had traditions down there that just went from generation to generation. It was just a continuation. It was just incredible. It was nearly like if you can maybe multiply the likes of a Cross McGlenn sort of uh, club effort. That's the way Blaney was. And um, oh, they were kingpins. You know, like, yeah, yeah. They were they were really at the top. They were very unlucky that. You know, they won so many Mountain Championships, but they were very unlucky. We were beaten in, a, in our Ireland club when we should have won our semi-final after a replay against the Twin Bars. Yes, yeah. And um, we, they, were, they were probably still, to this day, they probably don't know how they never won an All-Ireland club. You know, when other teams, probably not as good as them, have done, in, in those eras, have done, done uh, better than them. But you need a bit of luck, and they had a serious array of talent. And you know, for years before and years after, Caledonia would have always had that. You know, but they were just a tradition down there. And I think for me, joining them in, I joined them in ninety ninety six. I think it was oh, sorry, eighty six. Yeah. What am I saying? Eighty six, um, eighty five, eighty six. That sort of era. So I stayed with them till ninety one. I got five and a half years of experience, like that would have been second to none. So, I think strength and condition is probably not a, a word that they w- would have been used at those in those years. But certainly from the training end of things, um, and then I was lucky enough to be when I was living in Casablanca, and the opportunity came to transfer to Monaghan. And Monaghan's, I would have called it level of professionalism at that stage was in the late eighties, which was unheard of. I would have thought, you know, you had current doctor in, in DCU, Dr. Neil Minor. He was the trainer of the team then. Sean McKay was the manager. But the level of professionalism, and you're talking about 30 odd years ago, was incredible. You know, it was really, really the detail and training and, and emphasis on everything was probably on a par with what it is now. So you can imagine that's 30 years ago. Yeah. You can see that they were way ahead. And again, they were unfortunate that, you know, in, in the couple of years before that, they had some great teams, great clashes with Kerry, tucked into a replay. You know, you're talking about probably Kerry. Um, I still maintain the Kerry team. That team was probably the greatest team um, the that ever team. played individually. I think the footballing was different. The Dublin team, yes, you have to emulate them, have to congratulate them with five in a row. But that Monon team would have been up there or thereabouts. And uh, it was great to play on those years with, with those things experienced and stood to me for years afterwards, you know, and it was, it was, it was incredible, you know. Are you telling the loud boys the level of training? Are you on to Seamus and Jerry Curran? Are you saying, lads, you used to train a completely different down here? Yeah, well, I have to say that, you know, loud then moved probably, we, we had a, a, a serious bunch of, of talented footballers down the loud in the 90s then when I came back. So, um, the training then, you know, if you, if you look at the likes of, it was probably, sli- it was it was, it was was slightly different because you had to come from, you know, been successful for a year, few years and then you come back to, to a different um, province. Loud was kind of pen- trying to put themselves against the Dublins and Meads of that time. Who, you know, I still maintain that if Loud had to be in any other uh, province apart from Leinster in those years, you know, it's a hard luck story, yes it is, but I think we were good enough in any of the other um, provinces to win a, a Leinster or to win a provincial title. We came up against Dublin and Meath. I think in those nineties they were to the fore. They were probably in. I know that Dublin was ninety five before they won an All Ireland. But certainly the Meath teams. You look at the 
the mid teams of those year, those years and they had some fantastic teams, you know, in 89, 90, um, 91 with Dublin and Leeds. So uh, later on in those years uh, or in that in that, that decade, you just came up against Dublin and Leeds and we could have done with, with avoiding them. You know, I think that those sort of years go, go past and we had opportunities and we were just, we were just kind of, there maybe a bit of lack of belief um, as much as anything else probably didn't stand to us, you know, and we kind of didn't, when we got to within three or four points, of a team we felt we were doing well, where we should have been more confident in saying, well, why can we not beat this team? You know, why are we kind of leaving ourselves short? Which was probably, it was probably a, a county thing as well as anything else. It, it wasn't, you know, an individual thing. I think it was just the mentality that was in the county. Uh, why, why, years, do you, why do you say that is? Why would you say that, Stefan, even as a player in that bubble? Like, you would have had underage success. I know you mentioned a little mm. bit of success at TBS, but you sort of, like... He's a top of the mm. school game, like, and all those boys. Yeah. Well, I don't. I don't know. It's 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 a difficult one to pin down now because I just would have felt like there was so many of those matches in the nineties that we were either in the game mostly with about five or six minutes to go, and then it was just five. It was simple wee things that just you know. Uh, a, a simple mistake, a couple of chances that we didn't take. Um, Obviously, one or two refereeing decisions didn't help us, but I, I can't blame referees or any of that sort of thing. You know, I think we had we had ourselves to blame. I think if you look back at '91 when we we, we beat uh, there and then we played Leash. I think Leash were just waiting for us. I think the hype and all was around Kildare. We had beaten them, and then all of a sudden we were in the shop window, and that was probably the that was the biggest um, that was the biggest disappointment because that '91. Debacle with Leash was certainly one that, at that stage, going into those matches with Leash, we should have could have had somebody to say, "Listen, lads, we've won nothing here. Um, you've beaten the team so hard. You're in a semi-final yeah, or a Lancer Challenge. Yeah. Get the feedback on the ground." And I'm not saying that the people involved weren't doing that, but it was just a kind of we did we we I personally felt that we were always going to beat Leash, and it wasn't a confident thing. It was just felt that we were better football, but. We took our eye off the ball, and we didn't. We didn't produce on the on the on, the, on that particular day, and it was, that was hugely disappointing, you know. Yeah, we we fried Frank Lynch on a couple of weeks ago, and well, he didn't mm-hmm. talk, he didn't talk about ninety one, but knowing Frank, to be no way to be complacency uh, when he was over a team, and and what what happens with complacency is you don't know until it's too late. Yeah, yeah, you know, and, and it kind of and then, That's right, yeah. and then I suppose you, the frustration of that results in the row. Mm. You know. It was just disappointing. I, I, I wouldn't have, I wouldn't have in any way, you know, pin the, the blame on, on Frank or any of his mentors. Um, I think at the end of the day, no matter what age you are, you're inter county footballer. I think complacency set in, and it probably set in in the county um, as well, which is hard because you're looking at tables, reading tables, you meet people right. up and say, "Ah, oh, she's a bit late. She's still there in Dublin." You know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. There was no, there was no, nobody looking at late. And that's the ideal scenario in South or in, in in any sport when you're kind of think you have the the favourite beaten, and then all of a sudden you're in the favourite position, and then you know it's, there's only one way it can come down. You know. I know. I I did a podcast a couple of weeks ago on that ninety one the row, and I just just at the end I made a point that. Least then, well, we're swatted swat aside fairly handily by Mead in the semi-final before they took on Dublin, and we would we would have beat like the, the team we I went through it the team we had against Mead's backs like we had we would have give Mead a serious rattle. 
Oh yeah. In yeah. that in that ninety one side, which is so frustrating. Like, uh, is that is that one of your biggest regrets in that ninety one year or ninety eight? Is- um, I think. Sorry to leave you hanging, but that's that's what Neighbours EastEnders does. So so why not Laird and Proud? You'll all have to come back next week. But in between, uh, you can you can go and find uh, go. I think it's GA.E. I'll have the link on the bio. But Stefan is up next in the Borgosh Energy GA Legends Virtual Tour Series. So you can that's this Wednesday, twenty second of July. So yeah, check it out and don't forget to tune in to the Loud and Proud podcast next week to find out his biggest regret. We also relive nineteen ninety one in supreme detail, high definition detail, and all its glory. We also talk about the clans, the Joe Wards, so much more. And I also put them on the spot as well. So it was a good answer, good interesting answer as well. So thanks for tuning in. Uh, contact me and follow me on all social media channels. Subscribe to Laird and Pray podcast wherever you get your podcast. I'll chat to you next weekend for part two of the Stephen White meets Laird and Proud series. Bye. Make no bones about it, Dan. I hated training. Um, anyone that would have trained when we would have said he hates training. I would have just loved the, the football aspect of things. You know, long runs, all that sort of thing wouldn't be my forte at all. But um, 